if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Mark. Please take your seats. And we're starting at chapter 4, verse 33. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and sound, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Thank you, Linda. Good morning, everyone. I thought those pictures, those drawings from, those, from the kids' church was amazing. Do you know, what's really encouraging is that they actually wrote down some of the important things, dig deep, and so thank you so much for all you kids out there and such great drawings. Well, we've heard the news this morning that um, this is going to be probably our last Sunday for the next season till the government lifts the restrictions. I want to take this opportunity to thank every single person who has been a part of our team to make the last six weeks happen. You know, can we give them a round of applause today? Those on, on camera, live streaming, thank you to all our staff and all our teams that's making things. And also for you turning out and coming, we thank you so much. And also the team here at the Old Savoy, thank them too. And uh, so we've got through this together, ready for hopefully when then we get through this lockdown uh, season and then we can come back together strong and uh, we, you know, we're really going to go for it. So we've learned so much and we're really, really grateful for all that's gone on already. Well, um, I want to just bring up what I believe that God has spoken to my heart about this message. It's been going on in, in me for a while and I think it's quite apt to our season. So this passage of scripture, I know that we've already spoke about, uh, Linda's preached on this, I think I've spoke about this, but it's interesting as you get into the word of God uh, how it can speak to you differently. You know, sometimes that we think we've got God all sorted out and we know the scriptures and we know what that means, but then sometimes as you begin to read it, something just begins to illuminate and you never saw that before. And uh, I just want to bring some thoughts to us um, about this passage and about some other area. And what I want to try and bring to us today is that, that Jesus Christ has authority over all. I want to leave you today knowing that whatever season that we're going through, that Jesus Christ is still in control. Come on, say amen. You know, at the moment our world seems to be falling apart, but I want to tell you it's not phased God and also it's not moved him and he's still working even though we may not feel it or see it. God is on the move. And so when we look to this passage, we know that Jesus, when he, he called the disciples to him, he wanted to train them up. His goal was that they would get who he was so that when he would leave them, they would be armed and dangerous, ready to continue his mission without him. His physical presence, that is, because he would give them the Holy Spirit. 
but he, he had to make sure that the disciples got who he really was before he could leave them. And you know, these disciples saw him heal the sick, raise the dead, all kinds of things. But even at times in their walk with God, they asked themselves a question, who is this man? And so in this story, on this um, boat trip, I call it, after a hard days of ministry, Jesus allows the disciples to get into the boat and he allows them to take them on a trip to the next mission trip, which he is about to meet a man who has 2,000 demons. And so when you read this story, it's not only about Jesus calming the storm, but it's also about educating his followers to know that he's more than a man or even a teacher. They called him teacher, then they ended up with saying, who is this man? And you know, in our, in our walk with God, if we only think he is a good teacher or a healer, or he is just a man, then we're going to be in trouble when the storms come. And so what Jesus needed to cement in their hearts, that he was more than that, and he had authority over every demonic power, over every sickness and disease, and he was still in charge of whatever came his way. And so I want to say to you today that, that it's easy to begin to say that God is your provider when, you are being, when you've got provision, isn't it? It's easy to say that he's your healer when you are well. It's also easy to say that he's your deliverer when you're free and no hang-ups. But what about when hard times come, when, when the storms of life come, and you face redundancy, you face sickness, or you face the pandemic, who is Jesus then to you? Because that's where the bottom line is. When the storms come, as, Jesus, as Linda preached last week, when the foundations begin to shake, it's great when you're on top form and everything's going well. You can, you can worship that, he, that, you know, that, that he's a way maker, he's a miracle worker. But what about when the storms come? What about when the pandemic hits? Who is Jesus then in your life? Because that is the true reality, the true reflection is that when you're going through hardship, you will actually um, see who Jesus really is in your life. It's only when the hard times come that it reflect who God is to in your life. It will expose in you who really is Jesus. Is he just a man? Is he just a healer? Or is he God? Is he in control of your storm in your life? Is he really who he said he is? And so I want to say these guys, after a time of ministry, they, they led this boat trip. Jesus had confidence in, lead, in leading because he went to sleep and allowed them to take him to his next destination. But here's, here's the interesting thing. These were, these were fishermen. They knew how to handle a boat. And you know, sometimes when, when you get overconfident, then you can be in a bit of trouble. Because here's a situation that these guys didn't need any more training how to handle this boat. And they've also experienced storms before. But they weren't prepared for what was coming next in their life. They started out on a cruise um, ship and they were just about to go into a battleship. Unfortunately, the church these days are on a cruise ship and don't realise they're in a spiritual war. And so what we see right now in our world, that there is like a warfare going on for lives. And I want to say to you that, that Jesus came to die for people. And I say to you today as a church, as an individual, that if, you are, if you're in a Christianity for an easy cruise, you're going to be messed up. That we're singing about that God is going to raise up an army. 
We're not to be babysat. We are to take, take hold of the, the, the authority that God has given to us and to, to do what he has called us to do. And so this storm hits these guys and they, with all their expertise, all their, their skills, they couldn't handle this storm and they begin to panic because the water was coming into this boat so much they never experienced this more before and they had to do the most sensible thing that they knew and that was to get Jesus' attention. What does it take for God to get you to get hold of him? Interesting to know that they looked at Jesus and said, I can't believe that he's sleeping. And I wonder in your life and then you on the live stream today that you're going through a, a storm in your life and you think God's asleep because he's not answering your prayers and nothing's happening. And you, you're saying to yourself, how can he sleep when this storm's going to kill us? The disciples didn't realize that even though Jesus was asleep, he was still working because Jesus was sleeping to allow them to be awakened to the fact they had to get a grip of their situation and stop being spoon-fed and stop having prayers answered when they don't even pray. And God was trying to get maturity in these men so when they left, they could continue the mission. And sometimes God is silent to get you moving. God was sleeping to get them awake. And I wonder in your life as a Christian that you're so used to being pampered, so used to getting what you want with God, but now God is silent because he wants you to get up and get hold of him, begin to pray and seek him and wake him, and begin to move and take action that you've never moved before into the things of God, to take authority that he's given you and not just asking God or someone else to do it, but for you to take authority and begin to move in his power and his authority. You know, also when you look at this story, you look at the levels that the disciples go in a storm, and we do that too, I include myself. How can you be sleeping? Where are you, God, in this situation? Where are you in the pandemic? Let me tell you something. God is in total control of what's going on, and I want to tell you, he's involved even though you cannot see him. Even though you're not confused, God is doing something in this season, in our world. And if you ever doubt that, we're in trouble. And so they begin to talk about what are we going to do? We've got to get Jesus' attention. The first thing that we've got to do to church, that, you know, Jesus was asleep, but I believe sometimes the church is asleep. The first thing they did was get Jesus to pray. And I want to tell you, you can't expect our prime minister to pray if he doesn't know the Lord. And so the church has got to stand in the gap and pray for our politicians and pray for our health centre and pray for our communities. And we've got to awaken God to move in this storm in our, in our season, in our time. We cannot be asleep, being passive, even in lockdown. As, as Lee said, we're not locked out. And we need to storm the gates of heaven and take authority in what God has given to us. The second thing that you may have not noticed in this story, it says that there were other boats that went along. And what we tend to forget, church, for us online too, that we just, we just, we just think that Jesus is just going to sort our problems out. But I wonder if the disciples even bothered to think about the other boats. Or was they concerned only with their boat? I want to tell you that Jesus wants to calm your storm as a Christian 
so you can begin to have authority and help other people in their boats that don't even know Jesus. There was only one boat with Jesus in it. And I want to tell you, there are so many people outside of this meeting and on the live stream that doesn't know Christ and they're in the same storm. And they need the church to stand up and help rescue them. We just can't keep feeling sorry for ourselves. Let me tell you something, we're going to heaven. We are marked with his seal, we're okay. But those without Jesus are not. And so we've got to begin to think about it. It's not just about me, but it's about others. And Christ wanted to say to them, I need you to get strong. I need you to get authority. I need you to know who I am. And the problem is at times, we just don't know who is in the boat with us. We bring Jesus down to just a man or just a teacher and we forget he has authority over every power that exists. And so then the disciples go one step further in which we do ourselves, and they say, doesn't he care about us? Have you said that recently when things are going wrong? God's not answering my prayer. Does God not care about me? How do you feel Jesus feels about that? He doesn't care about me. You know what? The enemy, you don't realize, you know, when we talk about spiritual warfare and the demonic activity of the devil, we look to all the external stuff and we don't realize that the battle's between our ears. Most of the assault on you as a Christian is between your ears. Doesn't he care? The first sin that came about was because that Adam and Eve couldn't take captive the thoughts that Satan planted in their mind. Every battle that you face between your ears, the external stuff is fine and we can cope with that, but it's what you're thinking will determine your progress to the storm. They said, doesn't he care? And I wonder if you're here today and you're thinking, you don't realise what storm I'm in and I'm not sure God cares. Well, I want to tell you that's a lie of the enemy because if he can sow doubt in your mind, that's his job. He's there to, to deceive you and lie to you and tell you that God doesn't care and God's asleep and he's not interested in your situation. Satan is a liar and you have to take authority over your mind and you have to bring captive those thoughts and bring them submission to Christ. They're strongholds over our mind. And if you're today and saying, I don't know whether I'm going to get through this situation. I don't know whether I'm going to get to the other side. I want to tell you, if Christ is in your boat, you're going to get there. If Jesus is with you and you're with him, you're going to get there because he has all authority over every situation in our world, but he's got to get you to think differently. The disciples didn't really understand if he cared about them. And I want to tell you today that Satan is no different. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers and principalities. But most of the activity is between our ears. How we think about our situation, how we handle our thoughts, how we handle the, the, the preconceived ideas, how it's not based on the word of God. And if you look how Satan tempted Jesus, he tempted him by trying to diminish God and try, take shortcuts to God's word. Jesus always led Satan back to God's word. It is written, it is written. If you go to any other source to try and fight the enemy, you will lose. Because only the truth can set you free. And so here's one of the other things I want to just take a little sidewind here at the moment. Because Satan will come and tempt you to try and move you away from the God's purpose in your life. And I just want to say to you today, what are you believing this morning in your situation? 
I want to say that God is able to take care of every situation in your life. I want to say if you're facing redundancy, God is your provider. God, I want to tell you if you're going through a crisis, God can sort a crisis out. And you cannot allow the enemy to, to lie to you or even the circumstances of life because Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And I want to declare to you today and make you leave church this morning and leave you in your home so that Jesus Christ is a firm foundation and on that rock we will not move. No matter what storms hit our life, no matter how much our bank balance is telling us, no matter what my health is like, we will not be moved because we are stood on the rock of Jesus. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And the devil tried to tempt him to go shortcuts instead of relying on God to rely on himself. I know you have the ability, Jesus, to turn these stones into bread. You have an appetite. You have a need in your life. You need to get met. So don't wait for God to do it. You do it your way. And Jesus said, I will not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And we have to lean into God's word and trust him and stop relying on our own ability. The second thing, he took Jesus to a mountain. Listen to this. Took him to the holy city and then stand on top of the highest point of the temple. Not a mountain, a temple. If you are the son of God, here we go. A battle of the mind. If you are. Are you sure you're a Christian? Are you really saved? Satan's strategy does not change. If you are the son of God, why don't you throw yourself down? He will command his angels. See, the devil knows the Bible because he quoted Deuteronomy to Jesus, but only half of it. You've got to watch yourself from being deceived or trying to use half a scripture to justify your own lifestyle. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. So he's saying God will protect you. You just jump off the temple and you'll be amazed and everybody will see the miracle power of God, the angels coming and saving you and everybody will know you're the Messiah. That's an easy way, isn't it? To do the will of God. But Jesus knew the only way that he could redeem mankind was not jumping off the temple but going to a cross. And if he could get, if he could take an easier route where the, God's provision would just, just show who he was and everybody would get saved, then that would have been an easy option. But Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to test, to the test. I want to say to you today, we do not diminish the power of God or his healing power, but we've got to have, we've got to have sense, church. We do not put the Lord God to, te to the test. You know, for some Christians, I think the balmy is a brush. Do you know why? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what balmy means? Foolish. They say to me, it's all right, God will protect me. I don't need to put a mask on. I don't need to keep social distancing. You know, and, and what they do is, they do what, this, what the devil tried to tempt them to do. It's okay, you can jump off, a, jump off the temple and, and, and we'll, use, we'll use the scriptures to back up God's provision and, and he, will, he will just protect you. It's like, it's like me saying to you right now, I'm going to walk outside. I believe that God can raise the dead, so I'm going to walk out in the middle of the road and let a bus knock me down and kill me. And God will raise me back to life. You know, some Christians just think they can live how they want and God will protect them. It's actually the abuse of the word of God. We should not put the Lord God to the test. Listen, willingly put yourself in a place of danger when you do not have to and then expect God to protect you. 
God has given us common sense. And it's a little bit short sometimes in the church because we get too spiritual. Satan does not change his strategy. If he can diminish Jesus in your life, you've lost. If you can lower Jesus down to who he is in your life so you can lean on your own understanding, you've lost. He's either God or he isn't. If we're going to give our lives to serve Jesus, to sell up everything and follow him, if he's not God, then then we are wasting our time. We need to forget church and just go live in the world. But if he's God, then it's worth everything. If he's God, then he's going to come through. And what some of us don't realise that is that the victory has already been won. And so I want to say to you, Jesus gets up. He says, you don't think I care? He says, I don't care. He said, if you only knew what the plan I had in my heart, what I'm going to go through for you in in the next few months and weeks in life of my ministry, if you only knew the punishment I'm going to take for you on the cross, if you only knew the the beating that I'm going to take, if you only knew the excruciating suffocation that I'm going to take on the cross for you, and you're saying, do I care? So he gets up, doesn't even speak to them, and he rebukes the wind. And And the way that the Greek speaks about Jesus rebuking the wind, that he's speaking demonic powers. He says, he's, and he says, be quiet. And in that moment, the demonic power and the activity of the elements respond to the word of Jesus. And the storm was instantly calm. I want to tell you whatever storm that you're in right now, one word from the master can still the storm. But only if you know that he's God. And so he says, after he stills a storm, I love this. He said, guys, why are you afraid? And why have you still got no faith? What was he saying? He said, how long have I got to be with you for you to know that I'm God? Have you still got no faith that who's in the boat with you? Do, do you not know that I have control over everything, that I have authority and, and just to help you know that, did you see how I just spoke one word and how this storm that you were so petrified just responded in obedience? The Bible says it, oh, it was it responded in obedience. Let me tell you something. The storm responded quicker than some Christians do. And some of the problems and storms that we find ourselves in is because you're not willing to be obedient as the storm was when Jesus speaks to you. And we blame the devil for it. He says, be quiet, be still. The powers are to submit to him. Why are you afraid? And do you still have no faith? And years later, Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. (laughs) See, you only can understand the depth of who God is when you go through a storm and know that he delivers you through it. You, you, you can't get to know God deeper through not going through any turmoil. You can't say, God, you're deliverer if you've never been delivered. You can't say, God, you're provider if you've never been provided for. And the only way you can experience that is if you've got lack in your life. You can't say, God, is your healer if you've never been sick. And so I want to say every negative thing on your life is an opportunity to, to make God bigger in your life. 
Because I am tired of hearing second-hand testimonies. I want one for myself. I said that God is our provider because I know for 30 years of trusting him and giving up whatever he's asked us to give that I've never lacked anything. And I can say that without trying to manipulate anybody to give God anything. I know that because he's proved himself to me in my life. And the more he does it, the more I get faith. When these issues come and storms come, I say it's okay because if God has done it before, you can do it again. And in this situation, these guys need to know that Jesus has authority over the storm because eventually they, he would leave them and they would need to have authority over the storm. And then all of a sudden, it's amazing to know that Paul writes, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. From trials and troubles that you experience God's goodness to grow you stronger from the inside out that you can then begin to make a difference in your world. And so as, as it comes to a close in this story, it says, who, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And he's thinking, I wish the penny would drop with you. And so at the next move, as, he, as the boat comes to the other side, you know, in the King James, it says there was a great storm. And at the end of this passage, there was a great calm. I want to tell you whatever's going on in your life right now, God can turn it around for his good. And so they get to their next season of ministry through this storm, and have a guess what comes towards Jesus. Because he realizes that the disciples haven't really got it yet. Because who is this man that even calms storms? So he thinks, okay, this next, this next ministry trip is going to put some more encouragement and more faith and help them know who I really am. And so he walks on shore. He just gets his feet on dry land. And have a guess who comes running towards him? A man called Legion. If you read the passage in chapter 5, this man, Legion, had many demonic powers inside of him. Demons, demon possession. It says there were 2,000 demons that this man had inside of him. 2,000. And it says that he came running towards Jesus. Isn't it? The devil's got some front, hasn't he? Because I'll tell you something, as you read the story, every person that tried to approach this man, they run for their lives. Every time he would go near somebody, they would run for their life. And you know, there was such, a, there was such what I would call, um, you know, this, this, this false front of the devils that was in this man, that they thought they could go and run anybody out of town. But you know what? They were coming up for the biggest shock in their life when they came walk, walking towards Jesus. So this man, if you read, he was tormenting himself and screaming day and night and nobody could bind him. Tormented day and night and he approached Jesus and the demons begin to speak to Jesus. But as soon as they got near the presence of God, as soon as they got near this man, the son of God, as soon as they got near this presence, the only thing the demons could do, not one demon, not two demons, but 2,000 demons and all hell had to do only a few things. And the first thing they do was bow their knee. Bow their knee in submission to the son of God. The problem with some people in the church, they have no idea the authority that God's given them and they have no idea that we have authority over every oppression that comes our way, every demonic activity in Jesus' name. We do not need to be controlled by those things. We don't need to live in fear because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so this man falls to his knees and the demons begin to speak to Jesus. And you know, when you look at this, and I and I'm, and I'm, and want to just come into land to help you know who is in your boat. 
They knelt before him because they realized that he was Lord. They referred to him as the most high God. Used in the Old Testament, often by Gentiles to refer to the superiority and the true God of Israel over all man-made gods. These 2,000 demons bowed the knee to Jesus. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? My goodness, he's just calmed the storm. Now this legion of demonic activity is bowing before Jesus. And they're, and they're now asking him, appealing to him not to punish them. Who is this man? Please don't send us to our final punishment, Jesus. And then it says, if you read the story, they begged him. They begged him not to send them to punishment immediately. And then the Bible says, Jesus gave them permission. Wow. He gave them permission. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? You know, we've got a lot of people shouting and bawling of how much the devil's in charge. Let me tell you something. He's not in charge. He's not in charge. He gave them permission and the demons left the man and they were thrown into the pigs. If you read the story. It's not that Jesus didn't like bacon. Have you ever asked yourself, why, why, would you, why would you do that? You know, these guys had a living to make. and These pigs and there's 2,000 demons. And you would allow the demons to come out of this man and go into the pigs. Why would you do that? Now, I'm sure there's other commentaries that would say why you would do that. But here's what I think. This man's been tormented for a long time, knowing that he's possessed of all, was a lot of stuff going on inside of him. And do you know what? Once, once he'd been set free, there's going to be some doubts when Jesus would send him back to his family to be a witness. And I wonder, he's thinking to himself one day, I wonder if I've got any left inside of me. I wonder if I'm still getting tormented. I wonder if I'm still going to get controlled again. I wonder if I, I'm going to end up back in the cave hurting myself. I wonder if Jesus really set me free. I wonder if he really had the authority. And do you know why I believe that Jesus allowed him to see? He wanted to show him a real movie in HD. He wanted to make sure he saw the scene of these screaming pigs go over this hill and die in the water. Because let me tell you something, when he began to have them doubts about whether or not he has anything left in his life of oppression or possession, he would realise, no, I have nothing left because every one of them left me and I saw everyone going to those pigs and I know every one of them drowned. I know that he who set the, set the sunset free has set me free indeed. I know that I'm free. I know that I'm a new creation. I want to say to you today, when Jesus does the job, he does it properly. And the Bible says that when they saw him, he said they saw him seated, dressed, and in his right mind. See, the Bible says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And what I want to bring to you today is that no matter how much we think the enemy's on rampart around our world and our society, that God is still on the throne. And I want to say to us as Christians, before we come to a close of this message, I want to say to you that the battle, church, has already been won on the cross. And so we are fighting from victory, not for victory. Did you know that? 
Did you know that we're fighting from victory? In fact, you know when you're going through a hard time, what I want you to do today, if you're going through a storm and you say, you know, I'm getting the enemies just driving me insane, I want you to begin to read the Bible to him. I want you to read the end of the story to him. I want you to take him to the scriptures and say, you know what, I'm in this storm right now. I know that, you know, things are not going right. But let me just come and read you a story. Let me just read the scriptures to you, devil. And I would begin to speak it over the home. I begin to speak it out and go, you know, no matter how much is going on in my life right now, I am I'm speaking from victory. And I would get Revelation 20 out, verse 9 to 10. And I would say they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people. The city he loves, remember that. The city he loves, God's people. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They were tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the end of the film, folks. It's the end of the story. It's actually over. That's, his, that's prophecy about his ending. And we need to know that he's been defeated on the cross. And so what you really need to know is that we are in a battle, but we've already won the war. And so we understand that. And you know, in Colossians it says, For in Christ, the fullness of the, of, of, of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness He's head over every power and authority. He forgave us our sins, having cancelled the charge of, our, of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Now listen to this. Let me leave you with this church. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, by the cross. If you don't know this as a follower of Jesus, you're always going to be in the back foot. You're always saying that we've got to retreat. But I want to tell you that we have all authority from heaven to stand in the church. No matter what hits us, we will advance and we will take the kingdom of heaven into this land. Jesus is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have it disarmed or spoiled in other versions. It says this, he completely stripped principalities and powers and left them utterly naked with nothing left at their disposal to retaliate. When Jesus went to the cross and rose from the dead, he stripped all the power and the ammunition from the enemy and stripped them naked that they have nothing less to respond to. They were gobsmacked, they were silenced and they were disarmed. And it says that he made a show of them publicly, a public spectacle. And when you begin to read the, the Greek um, text of history, it tells that any king who would begin to defeat the enemy, this is what they would do. They would make a public spectacle of their enemy and they would take all their goods and they bring them home to their people and they would display all the stuff of the enemy in front of their people and they would get on their horses and they would proudly, boldly ride back into their city demonstrating the power they had over the enemy and showing all the spoils and all the goods of the enemy. And that's what Jesus did when he died upon the cross and he broke the back of the enemy and he made a public spectacle of him and he triumphed over the cross. 
I want to say to you that the Jesus in your boat is a Jesus who can take care of every storm in your life. And he can take care of the church and the world in this pandemic. And the church needs to stand up and get hold of him and help rescue some people in their boats. But you've got to know who's in your boat. And Philippines says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. That at that name, Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue in heaven. You know why I'm raising my voice? Because I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the powers that we cannot see. You may say, oh, isn't he angry? No, I'm not angry. I'm just upset with the devil because he's a liar. And I'm a little bit annoyed with the church because we're always walking in defeat and we don't know who's in our boat. And we win and we're going to win. And we're not going to shrink back and we're not going to give up and we are going to persevere and we are going to keep going and we are going to keep winning souls and we are going to heal the sick and we are going to help people in crisis. We are not going to give up because Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday and forever. That the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the cry on the cross was not a cry of defeat, but a cry of victory. It is finished. And that's why I go back to the first message that Paul prayed. I pray out of God's riches that you would know him better. This is what he prays, that you would not only know God better, that who's in your boat, but that you would know the power that he's given you to calm the storms in your own life. And that power, that great power for those who believe is the power is the same as that that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is evoked, not only in the present but the age to come. And God placed everything under his feet and appointed him to be head for everything for the church. For the church. That's the authority that we've got. And Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And put on the full armour of God so that you can take a stand. I want to tell you, some of you feel like running. I want to tell you, stop. You've got to stand. You've got to keep in the boat. Some of you want to bail out. Stop. Because Jesus is in your boat. Jesus has given you authority. All you've got to do is Stand. And you're saying, I don't know if I can make it. Yes, you can. You can make it. Because he who is in you is what? Is greater than he who is what? In the world. Your external storm. Your fears. Your anxieties. Your your, your lack. He who is in you. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. And Hebrews says, endure hardship. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Oh, there's some of you, I'm watching. You're thinking you're trembling. How am I going to get through this? It's okay. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. Make level the path for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Habakkuk says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Church, online, in the building. 
Who is in the boat with you? It is Jesus. He's not just a man. He's not just a teacher. He is God Almighty. And he has authority over every living thing in our universe. And whatever you're going through in your life, I want to tell you, you will get to the other side. For he who started this work in you will finish it to completion. Let's stand with me. Let's play this video and then we're going to come to finish. Stand and watch this, then we're going to sing and seal it over our lives.